just keep playing until you find your people. So my guest today is Bryce Drew. Bryce is a singer-songwriter from Miami and currently based in Los Angeles. She creates beautiful music that is inspired by the likes of Joni Mitchell, Nora Jones, Cheryl Crow, and other influential female artists. She started playing live in high school and went on to study songwriting at Belmont University in Nashville, Tennessee. Bryce began releasing music in 2020 with her debut single, Lucky Number, followed by four other songs. It was a writing trip to L.A. that led her to end up moving to the city and start recording and releasing her own music. So welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much for doing this. Um, (laughs) I just, you know, I'll preface that I we met actually in probably the height of the pandemic when um, Dylan Dunlap, who is an incredible uh, songwriter, also based in L.A., but he was doing a um, a series called Serotonin Sunday on clubhouse on that clubhouse yeah. app so um that's essentially uh how i found out about you and you played your song 21 um and it was incredible so i've been following you ever since thank you so much that was such a great event and it yeah was right smack in the middle of everything wasn't it <laughs> yeah no it was when we all were just probably in desperate need to share songs and talk about especially mental health because we're all you know going through it but so um yeah so this is the first time that we're ever really talking and I have done a little deep dive on you know your musical history but Mm. um I'm curious to know how did you start songwriting like what what was it that drew you to songwriting and so just you know tell me about yeah your first experiences um so I started writing music when I was 16 I started to play guitar at 15 um, because my brother was playing guitar and I was like, well, I'm a singer, so this is not fair. I should also be the one playing guitar, <laughs> <laughs> even though it. he it wasn't uh he just was like jam band kind of stuff. No hate on my brother, but it's like I took it and was like, this is seriously my thing. <laughs> um and so I started to play, and then I was a I was a part of a Adele fan club. Adele fan club. I was I was, I was literally. This is so embarrassing. Now were you the leader? I was <laughs> the <and> president. <laughs> I voted on the fan club name that still exists to this day. <laughs> wow. Um, yeah, it's pretty wacky. Um, what is that? The Daydreamers. The daydreamers. Oh, that's beautiful. But I was like a teenager and um, a lot of fans in that club were, I told them I was a singer and then I was learning covers to post in that club, which gave me the confidence to then post them publicly. Um, And that was kind of like the very start of me wanting to write music and just like singers like that and the storytelling of people like um like Adele and at the time I was a huge Gabrielle Applin fan and just like super into this YouTube singer songwriter era oh yeah yeah I'm familiar (laughs) yeah I was a total like just on my laptop going and finding all of these other teenage singer songwriters that just made me want to be that and um, one singer songwriter that I found in that world was Lauren Aquilina and I covered her song and she invited me out to play with her in London when I was 17. Oh my goodness. And that's incredible. So that was kind of, and at that point I, it was like, I was 17. I started writing music when I was 16. So that was kind of what pushed me to be like, oh, I've, they can do this. I can do this because I was finding this community. Um, mm-hmm. And in that time too, a big thing that pushed me into songwriting, I had, I had kind of gone through a lot of loss in high school. Um, my grandmother had Alzheimer's and I would go and sing for her. And there was this very powerful moment um, where we almost lost her. And then 
I sang to her and she stayed with us a few other months. And in that moment, I was just like, this is what I want to do with the rest of my life because I just felt the way that music could communicate. And that was all happening while the other stuff I was just talking about was happening. So everything was kind of just pointing towards music, you know? Wow. That yeah. is beautiful. Thank you. That's incredible. And it's nice to know that it was the like innate power of music that made you want to keep doing it and made you probably propelled toward, um, you know, doing it professionally. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I try and remind myself that often too, when it, you get in certain moments in the industry and, and this unsteady career path of like, why am I doing this? You know, like think back to myself then, like what pushed right. me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The YouTube space and your grandma. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. I, I, that there, there was a very powerful, as you say, like YouTube, uh, singer songwriter, like teenage singer songwriters, um, that I was, I was also kind of encapsulated in when, as I was younger. And it was, it's just nice to feel like you belong somewhere and yeah, to see people doing the same thing that you're doing, especially at such a young age. So was the when when you when you when you went to London was that that wasn't the first time you'd ever performed your own music right like what was that experience like it was the first time I ever performed my own music oh my goodness um I had performed it at at school I had like done a solo which was terrifying but um <laughs> it was actually I, I still find it much more nerve-wracking to play a hometown show than it is to like go out of the country and be in a venue full of people you don't know. Absolutely. It's like a different kind of thrill. And it's, it's like exciting, but less nerve wracking because nobody knows you. You can leave the next day and hope they don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. But so much anonymity. Like walk back around and be like, hey guys. You did see me yesterday. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I feel the exact same way. People are always asking me, like, when are you playing? And I'm like, I'm not. <laughs> like, just... I don't really want to here <laughs> and then see you at the grocery store tomorrow. <laughs> yes, it's, it can be nice, but it's also like a totally different energy. Yeah, absolutely. Wow, that's insane. So the first time you ever performed your own music was in London with yeah. Lauren Aquilina yeah when I was 17 and then did you have that thrilling feeling of you know feeling like you could do it like yeah. this is that was the moment when I and Lauren was so 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 supportive and she still is she's one of my best friends now but wow. um it was like I mean she was just like you're so talented and like if I, like we're, we were the same age we are the same age and she was just she had put three EPs out on her own and started to build something. And it's just like, like, we're just like each other. Like, you just have to do it. You know, like people, I don't think I knew I always wanted to be a singer, but until I started writing music and until stuff like that started happening, where I realized like you can build an audience and you can connect with people and you don't need, you don't need somebody else's approval like a normal job to be like you got the job like you have to make the job for yourself you know it's like little things mm -hmm. like that that were showing me like it really is up to me to go after it yeah yeah absolutely yeah. and I think it's such a like unique and like almost indescribable feeling to write a song that you know was inspired by like a personal experience that you had especially you know a a, a deep deeply personal experience and then have that resonate with someone in you know a different way is is yeah it's an indescribable feeling of like a, a connection that you have never experienced before you know yeah. and building up that audience and understanding that even though you know people may not have the exact same experience as a song that you share with them like they they can still relate to it somehow Mm -hmm. And then the people that continue to, you know, just support you unconditionally and support who you are as an artist is, is, it's truly, it's hard to relate to someone who, you know, doesn't really have that sort of experience. Totally. 
Yeah. And so I was reading on your in your bio that, like you said, you started playing guitar when you were 15 mm-hmm. and writing songs when you were 16. And you said you put your guitar under your bed. I did. And and you didn't pick it up for a year. Mm-hmm. And then when you were 16, you picked it up. Yeah. So what was it? First of all, what was it that made you put it under your bed and not touch it? And then what was the thing that, you know, drew you back to it? Uh, I think between 15 and 16 was like a very, there were a lot of kind of transitions happening in my world. And as far as like loss in my family um, and just things that I was living through. Um, And I think experience has so much to do, like, you can't write songs without living life. Mm-hmm. And when I got a guitar at 15, I wanted to be a singer. And there's nothing wrong with being a singer and not a songwriter, but it's a different push to the instrument. And there's a different, like, I I had the guitar in my hands and it was hurting my fingers. And <laughs> you know what I mean? Me and I was like, I, there was not enough inside me to need to learn to play it because I can sing without playing my instrument. Mm-hmm. You know? But to write a song, I'm an instrument first person. So it was like I needed the I needed to live that year to feel it in me that like I needed to push through the pain to get to the story, you know. That's and that's beautiful. what happened. And it was like I would I was this crazy choir nerd who was taking six AP classes and had no time in the world, but I was waking up at like 5 a.m. to teach myself guitar before going to school because it was like my safety and my like moment to myself to just like have a second to get lost in the music, you know? Yeah, that's dedication. And yeah. when, when you do push through that pain and when you realize, you know, the doors that it can open for you and in, in terms of, like you're saying, being a storyteller mm-hmm. and, you know, it's singing is a beautiful thing and there's nothing quite like singing without an instrument in yeah. front of you. But, you know, I also feel as someone who plays guitar and piano to accompany my songs, I feel naked. <laughs> without an instrument now um so it's an interesting um you know dynamic uh and I never know what to do with my hands if I'm on stage without an instrument you know <laughs> now we have these calluses on our fingers and the pain is no longer there but I know yeah it's funny when like people come up to me and ask me about learning how to play guitar and like how much it hurts and I'm like well it hurt everybody it, like you have to push through it and then it, it doesn't hurt as bad you know but it is such a like the patience of that first year is really a big deal oh yeah and it really does hurt like <laughs> especially when you're when you're young and you've got little little thingies yeah but it's powerful so do you remember the very first song that you ever wrote I do Tell me about it. It was called Letting Go. And it was about wanting to let go of my worries to be myself. Wow. And you wrote this at 16? Yes. (laughs) That's so mature. I'm learning that lesson right now. (laughs) I still, yeah, me too. You know, but it was also about like letting go of my grandma and moving, like just allowing myself to breathe and um yeah I think like now I didn't realize then how much I was going through as a as a teenager that like Mm -hmm. led to the songs like that um but a lot of my music in high school was really about like wanting things to be okay and Mm -hmm. wanting to find peace and just like um balance which I think is interesting. And I think that that has to do with um, my, I guess my my background of the islands, like my mom's from the Caribbean and a lot of the music is like love and peace forward and, and like go with the flow and <laughs> go like find some air. 
and that's kind of just like what a, a lot of my music was like um but it was also deep and some things made no, no sense and <laughs> I guess, but some other people found sense in lyrics that I'm still like, I don't know what that meant or was supposed to mean. I think I was <laughs> trying to rhyme and it worked. So. Yeah, I think, you know, accidents happen when you're just trying to find a rhyme and you can accidentally, you know, write the most impactful lyric that somebody has ever heard. But that's, that's beautiful. And it, it's, it sounds like you stepped into your voice as a songwriter with you know, a level of emotional maturity mm. that, you know, maybe other 16-year-olds didn't really have going through so much at such a young age, like yeah. experiencing that. Um, and like you said, you can't, you know, you have to live to write song. I mean, you know, you don't really, but... No, you don't really, but if you want... I don't know. I've, every artist has a different purpose, you know, like... I do try and remind myself that, but I know that like the people that inspired me wrote records that felt um, like there's soul searching on each record. Yeah. Whether that's in sadness, in joy, in wonder, like it's all soul searching, like something that kind of you learn something new and you're, you know, um, and I think that for me, the be that's the best kind of art like whether it's music movies books like it, it's all curiosity um and so that's kind of what I try and and stick by and that's why I say that like it's hard to write songs without living life because with life comes new questions and yeah, new questions yeah. and inspiration and inspiration that is not forced in any way you know um, I, cause I totally agree with you. My favorite records and my favorite artists are people who do approach music and songwriting in that way of, you know, it's almost like sharing a lesson with someone, mm -hmm. you know, those are my favorite conversations in my life is, Hey, I, you know, this just happened to me and it's making me think differently. It's shifting my perspective about life and about love and, whatever it may be and just yeah it's it's like you said it's questioning um I think that's beautiful and I definitely see and hear that in your music Aww. just like a lot of um honesty and yeah. vulnerability uh, it means a lot thank you yeah um and yeah I I understand that you, uh, you meant you mentioned that you were part of the Adele fan club <laughs> but um I also notice like your influences seem to be like really powerful, strong female songwriters and artists um, like Joni Mitchell and Lauren Hill. Yeah. And I just feel like a kindred spirit. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I, that is absolutely like, you know, anyone who knows me knows I have an affinity for Joni Mitchell and, and Lauren Hill is just one of the most powerful voices and people mm -hmm. in music to me mm -hmm. um so I just feel like I feel that in my soul <laughs> so much yeah um, I mean I actually it's funny because when I think of Joni and Lauren it's like the way that both of them so masterfully craft an album it has a lot to do with that thing that we were just talking about with soul searching and balance. Like both of them, both of those artists, like I, one thing that I admire so much about them is that they don't stick to one subject in their writing. It's like mm -hmm. they sing about everything in life, the ups, the downs, the little quirky, funny things, and the absolutely heart shattering things. And yeah, because of that it feels so human and so real because they're showing you every corner mm -hmm. you know so it's funny that you would mention both of them because I see them in so similar in that way even mm -hmm. though sonically they have so many differences for this like the craft of the songwriting and the story 
and the core of being an artist they they feel like from the same place yeah absolutely and and I feel on top of that you can even hear it in their voice like they their their genres are drastically different but like when I listen to Joni or when I listen to Lauren I feel what they're feeling almost Mm -hmm. um because they just like they let everything out um I absolutely absolutely agree it's yeah and like you said they they write about everything but it feels cohesive at the same time mm-hmm. I swear I could watch I could watch interviews with Lauren Hill or Joni Mitchell for hours and hours and hours and just listen to them talk um but I do I do hear that in your writing as well oh, thank you and so I wanted to ask you a little about your last single that you just released with yeah. a beautiful lyric video and a beautiful music video so to much. accompany the track. But um, I understand that song is really heavy, mm-hmm. also light at the same time and beautiful. But um, can you just talk a little bit about what the experience of writing and releasing that song was to you? Yeah. So we're, we're talking about my song Glow, Julian's yeah. Um, I wrote it about a very, very close family friend of mine, Julian, who passed away when he was eight years old. I was 16, so right, Mm -hmm. music. Um, And so I was eight years older than him, and he was very much like my little brother. Like, I watched him grow up, and I would go out to fly out to New York to go visit him in the hospital, and... He told all the nurses I was his big sister, and it was just uh, heartbreaking. And, you know, it's like no matter how much time passes, he's he's always there. And um, not long after he passed away, his family gave me the glow in the dark stars from his ceiling in his bedroom. And they kind of just sat around for a little while because I, I didn't know what to do with them. And they just stayed in like the Ziploc bag that they gave it to me gave they gave them to me in and after on his 16th birthday um I was like you know what I want to do something with these just in his honor just to be like you know 16 is like a big a big Mm -hmm. like actually a teenager and so um I was thinking of him and I put them up and for the first few days they were not glowing and I was just like this is kind of sad because is like I'm looking at them and they're just they're just plastic stars and they're not doing anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and then on my birthday, our birthdays are um, a few days apart. They started to glow, and they've been on my ceiling ever since. And I kind of just it was a lesson, like what we were talking about of um, with grief, just like the the pain of waiting to see the light and uh also the beauty of realizing that somebody's always with you in memory and in the ways that they've touched your life you know so no matter how long it's been right like it's been eight years and it's been longer than that now but it it had been eight years and I was still remembering him and I was still thinking what would he be doing now and thinking of all the jokes he made and all, you know, all the ways that he had touched me and comforted by the little nuance of seeing that light being like, oh, is he sending me a little message right now? Is he like, happy birthday? Is he, what, you know? Um, and so I wrote, I wrote that song very fast. I didn't think about it at all. Uh, my friend Griff had come over to write a song a different song a few months later and he saw my stars and was like oh my god I used to have stars like that and I was like oh, that's so funny these were actually Julian's stars I told him the story and he was like that's really sad and I was like well I think it's beautiful like because I mm-hmm. I think that's the thing that we don't talk about enough where like having a photo or a little memory like something that reminds you of someone who's passed 
long after they've passed away is a totally okay thing to do. And it doesn't have to be this morbid, sad, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. it doesn't have to be this sad, dark thing, even though there is heartbreak in it. it there is a way to look at it in a, com- you know, just to like feel like to keep them with you. Um, yeah. And I think that takes time. And I I did realize in that moment, like, somebody, like, I don't know how much, you have to be at a certain, like, I've talked about this with, with Julian's mom as well, where it's like, you have to have been through that to realize that. I don't know how to, how to put that exactly correctly, but once no, you- I, I understand. You know, yeah, it's- it's just like how to move forward with grief and how to start um, keeping both the pain and the love yeah. and accept it. It's acceptance, you know? Um, yeah. And to, and to just remember someone you love who's no longer here as, you know, what a beautiful thing it was to be a part of their existence and for them to have impacted my life in the way that they did yes and to continue you know talking about them and looking at the stars on your ceiling is like this is such a beautiful reminder that this person touched my life exactly in in such a way that you know it's like the Winnie the Pooh quote it's like how oh gosh I wish I could remember the exact quote but lucky am I to have yes how lucky am I to have someone to miss or you know um that's beautiful and I mean as you're saying that story it's like that you know talking about your friend coming over to write that song and the conversation that you had it's like that's the chorus of the song or the refrain of the song of like triggered it so he's like and the next day I wrote a song because I was some say it's sad but it's beautiful because it reminds me that you're still with me it reminds me of how you know like that's Mm -hmm. what still glow means to me it's like it it reminds me that your light is still here literally (laughs) yeah literally it's beautiful to know that these stars still glow you know Mm -hmm. um and it's it's i don't know this it's just a the song is an example of a song that has so many personal uh, intricate details of a very specific story of Julian and your relationship with him and this specific conversation you had with a friend and Mm -hmm. you know like there are so many intricate details within that song yet I can still listen to it and feel you know feel the presence of you know people that I've lost in my life or you know I can relate to the song even though it's you know look at these stars on the ceiling and they remind me of Julian (laughs) yeah it's just um music is so magical of course and even I it's funny you say that because even for me like even though it is Julian's song and they were that the song reminds me so much of Julian and named it after him and everything it's still to me speaks to every everyone I've lost in my life you know like mm-hmm. it captures the whole feeling of looking back on on that and remembering everybody um mm-hmm. even like the day that the day that we filmed the music video my dad's best friend had suddenly passed away the morning of the video and my mom had just flown in town to be on set with me and wow. we woke up at like four in the morning to that message and we were just like of all days for this to happen yeah the day like this video was already planned and the director didn't tell us the location we would be filming and when we got on set he told us to go meet him at angel's point to watch the sunset and to film me singing in front of the sunset i have goosebumps (laughs) i know so my mom and i were just like oh my gosh yeah so we were up there and i was singing of course for Julian and thinking of the stars but I was also thinking of my dad's best friend that just was like so present right there where I was like processing that loss and um it was you know like it's so much more 
even for like you can relate to it in your own personal way and even for me it's like it represents so much more than just one story you know Mm -hmm. that's beautiful that's incredible and you know what's going through my mind is just like of course you know know. (laughs) of course that happened and of course it was that day that your dad lost his friend and of course it was called angel's landing you know it's it I suppose I've just you know especially within music and being a songwriter and being open to like the spiritual part of writing and you know what can come with that yeah um just being open to that it's like I I'm not surprised I know right (laughs) because you know it's it's beautiful and it's sad and but it's just of of course of course it was angels landing and of course all these things came crashing at once and but it resulted in just like a beautiful amalgamation of creation and it's that's really powerful that's beautiful and uh if you're listening you should go watch that music video mm-hmm. um and i especially was really moved by the lyric video with uh the footage of julian and just so just so sweet and how you know I just really admire you for being so vulnerable and like sharing that with your audience and and with the world and whoever ends up coming across it oh okay wow (laughs) (laughs) oh my goodness um so I I did also want to ask you about your experience studying songwriting at Belmont Um, I, I studied songwriting at Berkeley in Boston. Um, so I'd love to hear about your experience, um, you know, learning in an educational setting, how to write and, you know, what kind of classes you did. And, um, I also did live in Nashville for a few years, so I'm familiar with the Belmont area, but never really got to do any sort of educational stuff there. So can you talk about like how that impacted your writing and what your experience was like? Belmont was great. I was there for three years. I graduated in 2017, um, graduated early. And the songwriting program was super cool. It was perfect for me because as I was saying, like I started writing music when I was 16. So at 18, I had only written like 10 songs. And I got into college on songwriting on those songs. And it gave me the time to really build on my craft that I didn't have as a teenager, you know, like Mm -hmm. living somewhere like Nashville, a lot of the students had been writing since they were eight years old, playing instruments most of their life. And I had only been playing for two years and just started writing songs. So I'm very grateful that it gave me that space, you know? And I will say that in a lot of ways, I felt like I was late to the game. Like I was sitting there in a music town, just starting to make music. Mm-hmm. And I mean, now I'm like, that's ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I'm sure a lot of kids nowadays feel the same way with social media, with like, we had YouTube, they have TikTok, they have Instagram, they have yeah. all these little geniuses in front of them every day. And to get the confidence as a teenager to be like, I'm going to start, must it's probably both like, I can do it because there's so many people doing it. And it's also probably like, can I do it? Because they've been doing it forever. Um, yeah. So music school was great for that because it gave me the community co-write with the mentors to give me feedback and and let me focus on myself rather than other people um and really encourage me that I had that time and that I was allowed to play you know and find my own voice um yeah, so I, I had a good experience with it. I know a lot of it can go either way, but I think it really depends on where you're at when you go in. Mm-hmm. What was your experience? Oh, well, you know, kind of kind of similar um, in terms of just 
all of the sudden being fully immersed in a sea of incredible writers and musicians and um like you said in a way that can be really intimidating and but it can also be like a real good kick in the ass that (laughs) you need um I had been writing music since I was around 12 but you know in saying that it's it was more just like a lot of exploration um but I did study songwriting in high school before uh before I I studied it at a college level that's awesome um but yeah it's it's it was intensive and um it was a lot I learned music with you know through a lot of self-exploration mm-hmm. um and through a lot of ear training um with a focus on like learning by hearing so when I got to music school I was overwhelmed at you know all the theory and the technicalities and just <laughs> these literal world-renowned you know professors and students and instrumentalists um but mm-hmm. I was able to really sort of find my people pretty quickly as a songwriter mm-hmm. um but yeah what what kind of like you know what was your favorite class in college or what was the biggest lesson that you learned through studying songwriting at a college level my favorite class was songwriting two songwriting one was like you learn the bones of songwriting the um etiquette of co-writing and there was like an intro class and songwriting Mm -hmm. two was my favorite class because it was more about artist identity as a songwriter and Mm -hmm. like digging into yourself and finding ways to be inspired when you're not inspired like we had assignments like pull a song out of a journal entry from the from your past like go find a journal entry and find a song in it they taught that yeah I love it (laughs) they were like go find a newspaper find an article and just like sit down write a song about it like it doesn't Mm -hmm. have to be a gem of a song but just like to get your brain moving and you know like the whole keeping a notes app of titles and Mm. every day like scrolling through twitter and trying to find a title in everyone's tweets just as an exercise for like five minutes wow you know it's so creative that, that stuck with me where i'm like if i'm blocked or just like not have it not in a good creative place like what's something that could at least get me to try to be there yeah. you know Absolutely. because once you, once you do something like that it can open up where you need to go you know um and so and the thing is that we would do that and then we would have to present our song to the whole class and it was this yep. scary <laughs> feeling that I actually like love like I love like this like oh my god I have to get my song ready because next week I have to present it and like has to feel like this and then you go in this crazy like artsy I don't know I get into my art zone where I like can't sleep because I'm just like oh no 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 no. like I need to edit that first I need to do this and I need to and I'm like I'm on a deadline like I miss having that because now my deadline is me um but it was just so fun to like be pushed to find inspiration in places I normally wouldn't and then have to present it and then um, get critique back from people who do music in different genres than me and come from all different places. Um, yeah. Now they're like, the first assignment in that class, it was like we had to submit a song that we had already written that we felt best represented us. And then our professor picked from either country club or Christmas as the genre of a song that was completely opposite to what we would do and told us to write a song in that genre. So I had to write a club song. (laughs) What is a, what is a country club genre? I don't know. It's like country is one genre. Club is one genre. Oh, oh, (laughs) it's like country club, like Steely Dan. Are we talking like (laughs) country? I like turned in (laughs) 70s feeling ballad typical me and 
my professor was like, you're going to go write a club song. And oh my gosh. It was so fun. Like it got me, I was like, connecting to your Miami roots. <laughs> <laughs> it was just really, it was like, I was having fun making a song that I, you know, like I didn't have to feel so, it was like how we were talking about different purposes in art, right? Like I was pushed to like let go of the depth that I wanted to have and just be like, let me like try and make a beat. Mm-hmm. Logic and like push myself to do something, you know? And then that kind of like taught me like, oh, I'm capable of just like pulling out an electric, like a keyboard and programming something and just trying like, you mm-hmm. you know, and that's something that I loved about school is that it pushed your boundaries that you unknowingly set for yourself. Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> it really did. Yeah. <laughs> um, in, in such a good way that at the time I didn't realize how, how impactful it could be, but you know, it was really difficult sometimes mm-hmm. um, to some of some assignments. I remember that I had to write a rap and I was just like exactly. to my press professor Pat Patterson. I was like, I don't think I can do this. Like, <laughs> I don't think I'm like. Have you seen me? Like, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it absolutely pushes your boundaries in a way that is so necessary, especially as a songwriter, to understand that like there are no boundaries. You know. Yeah, but there also it's like by doing that, you also teach yourself where you belong. Because you yes, can tell exactly. where you're uncomfortable and if it's a good kind of uncomfortable or, you know what, I should let somebody else do this. Yeah. Or if it's just like that's a deep okay. hatred. <laughs> yeah. You're like, that's an okay thing to learn. It's like, yeah, that's not my best thing to do. And so I'm going to stay yeah. away from that. <laughs> yeah. It's so interesting. I feel like the between like Belmont and Berkeley, like Berkeley is such a jazz focused school and I don't know what the other music programs in Belmont are, but having lived in Nashville, it sounds like it was very like, you know, country and like co-writing forward. It was way lyric co-writing. Yeah. Because we know. I know that like after we graduated enough people had said something that now there's like a melody course, there's a artist identity course. There's right. stuff that's like not so Nashville where like mm. when I was there, it was kind of at the, it was becoming a bigger school, right? Like there was still only 18 people in my, each of my classes when I was there mm-hmm. and it like the class size doubled the year that I left, but it was very like, let's prepare you for a career in Nashville. That's right. You Not for, like, like outside of this one city. Yeah, because the way that that city runs is like you co-write every day, you get a publishing deal. Oh yeah. And I've, and that's the way that I thought the music industry was, right? Because it was so ingrained in us that like, okay, there's a system, and you don't stray from the system. To, you need to co-write and co-write and co-write and co-write, and then get a publishing deal, and then maybe work on an artist project once you've like built the bones and made a name for yourself in this city and like you've done all the work you know Mm -hmm. and it wasn't until I came out on that writing trip in LA that I my perspective shifted and I realized like oh that's not what my favorite artist did yeah and I met my producer who was like why aren't you doing this and I was like well I didn't think I could (laughs) I was told that I could (laughs) Nashville was like that's not like you're not there yet like you got to do all this other stuff because this is the way it works so that's kind of the way that school felt like we're preparing you to get a publishing deal we're preparing you to co-write with everyone in this town until you reach a level of success wow Um, that's really interesting because like you know we had songwriting courses like songwriting one and two same in the mm -hmm. writing program at berkeley but those courses were specifically like specific to harmony and melody like it was just just harmony and melody Mm -hmm. we had lyric writing uh classes as well but it was so like you know here are all of your options and it was translating harmony to being able to use 
your harmonic theory knowledge in a song um and I am such a lyric writer that I felt like you know my favorite classes were like advanced lyric writing and I wanted to be you know more along the lines of like you know challenge yourself to co-write and challenge yourself to you know do all these like lyric writing exercises and there was such a focus on like jazz harmony which I'm so grateful for now that it's kind of stored somewhere in the back of my brain very deep deep Mm -hmm. back there (laughs) somewhere that you know it's hard to access but I'm grateful for it now but I actually took a writing trip to Nashville um, when I was living in Boston and ended up moving to Nashville because I was Mm. like wow this is so different these people you know like I it was I was so interested in the way that songwriting was approached in that city yeah and after living there for a while I was like this is not this is not me you know similarly I I just want to put myself out there and not feel like you know trapped in this box of you know the industry is telling me that this is what I need to do Mm -hmm. and I can do that from anywhere you know totally 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 I mean that's the thing with I mean any industry but definitely with the music industry is that no matter what you do people are always going to try and put you in a box and they're Mm -hmm. always going to try and tell you the way to do it yep you know but and people like Joni Mitchell and Lauren Hill they push back yeah and that's why we love them mm-hmm. I always think of that one clip of Joni Mitchell on stage at a festival and people were being too loud and she just stops playing and is like can you guys just I'm trying to play a song for you <laughs> yeah. oh that's why we love them these rebellious ladies but that is so interesting I mean I can I I did audition for Berkeley and I got in as well, but just from the audition alone, like I remember auditioning for Berkeley and it being so music central theory, theory centric Mm -hmm. and the audition for Belmont or the whole process, there was no in-person audition. It was all written. Oh, really? It was all written. And like you send your demos in, but then you have to end like you have an essay. You have to like, wow. it was all based on like who are your favorite writers who inspire. Like just very lyric central. You know, you just send in lyric sheets. And I went to an orientation, which is what pushed me to go to Belmont. And it was a mock class with Bonnie Baker, who's a songwriter, and she was a she was a, a like a step in professor at the time never had her but that orientation she was just like like whether you go here or not this is what you need to know to be a songwriter mm-hmm. it was like buy all of these books there were like seven books I bought all of them <laughs> but she was like you just it was so much like she was from a small town and she moved to Nashville and she did the thing and she built a thing for herself and she learned how to continue to be inspired and chase that um and she was talking about how you could go from writing one song a month and then you push yourself to write two songs a month and then all of a sudden you're writing 10 songs. It's like you build the stamina. Right. There was so much that I learned in that one little orientation that was just about, like it wasn't even about going to school. It was just about being a songwriter and like ways to, to push yourself. Um, and that's kind of what made me choose like everyone wants a different thing right and that to me was like I've never had that before and I was coming from classical music training and magnet schools and growing Mm -hmm. up so like to be somewhere that was so chase the story in a small classroom in a place like Nashville where you're like Mm -hmm. oh this whole city this whole town is a school of song <laughs> it really is it, it kind of feels that way yeah and I I loved I love Nashville very much um but that's a that's a very good way to put it actually yeah <laughs> the whole how... town and it's such a it's a it's a city but it feels such like a small town yeah you know, mm-hmm. of people that are all chasing a story yep. <laughs> which, which is a beautiful thing in itself I but... love it but there's pros and cons and I do think that like the diversity in Nashville is difficult. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, it's growing and then it gets, it just goes up and down and up and down. And absolutely I think that like trying to bend a genre in Nashville is hard. <laughs> yeah, hard. it really is. I, as someone who, you know, up until I moved to Nashville uh, and was sort of immersed in working at a bluegrass label and mm-hmm. meeting a lot of, you know, like Americana artists, I I didn't really like country music. I was never drawn to it. I thought the songwriting was was great, but, you know, I myself am more of like a, you know, kind of folk, pop, yeah, uh, you know, artists like Joni and... Um, like you said, soul searchers. Mm-hmm. Um, and every time I told some, you know, as a Canadian woman who was living in Nashville, it was always like, oh my God, Music City, like country music. Yeah. You know, everyone I spoke to was like, wow, like, are you, you play pop country or, you know, there must be so Tell much country. It. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm trying to actually try something new. <laughs> mm-hmm. But, you know, it's it's hard to penetrate the the wall. Yeah, and it's even, happening though. The funny thing too is that it's all, like a lot of people are so oblivious to exactly what you're saying. That even if if you're playing in Nashville, just because you're a person with the guitar singing a song that has a story, they'll call you country. Yeah, even yeah. if like it doesn't matter what it sounds. Even like. if you're not country, <laughs> like you know, so people just want to put you in a box and yeah. Um, I think it like for me it was like the same three songs. Sorry, I don't know if you can hear the siren or not. Let's try. That's all right. It's Los Angeles. <laughs> um, the same three songs that got me the opportunity to record with my producer Greg were songs that I had been playing around Nashville for at least a year. You know that people were just that they passed on or were like keep mm-hmm. writing or we don't really know where this belongs right? right because it was soulful and it was personal and it was not pitchable because who could sing that you know what I mean like oh not everyone could do those kind of runs or that's a kind of a high melody it's like people in a place like Nashville they like want things that are very singable and relatable it's like what you're Mm -hmm. always going to hear and it by always striving to do things like that you put yourself in a box and you block like while you create opportunity in that world you block off a whole other chance to do that soul searching thing we were talking about so it's kind of like you have to choose it's harder to do the latter you know it's hard to be like I'm not going to write the songs that are going to sell. <laughs> but it's more meaningful. And like get me recognition in this town for doing something that feels familiar. Yeah. You know? but, but it's more meaningful and it's more powerful and it's authentic. And it's it's funny that you say like, oh, we don't know where this belongs. You know, someone in the music industry in Nashville. And it's like to me it's very obvious where it belongs it belongs in the hands of the people that like it and exactly. my audience and it and it you know it's meant to exist in the world because it means something to me mm-hmm. and therefore it's going to mean something to somebody else and it doesn't matter you know if it ends up on a specific list or you know you know yeah. on a, at a specific label it's like the song belongs out in the ether where it c- it, you know, it has the possibility of touching the heart and soul of someone who needs to hear it, you know? Yeah. Well, but you I can't really <laughs> relay that in like a pitch meeting, you know? Totally. But I guess my point in that was just like the fact that it was for me the same few songs that got me my opportunity in LA. It's like, it's so much about who you're playing it for. Mm-hmm. And it's about making sure that the person you're playing it for is connecting with it. You know, and you got to just keep, just keep playing until you find your people. Yeah. You know, that's. That's great advice, actually. That's how I feel. Because, like, for me to think that, like, 21 wouldn't have had a life if I didn't come out here and play that song for Greg. 
that's crazy to me because that mm-hmm. song like I get messages every day about that song still and I'm 27 now like yeah it's you know? an amazing song. Thank you so and much. And it's something that so many people can probably relate to as well. Like you said, you get messages and it's some it's yeah. it's not your average, you know, pop country song that's about heartbreak. It's like, you know, about something very specific that mm-hmm. probably a lot of people need to hear. Yeah. But, so yeah. um I'll round out the interview by asking you the same questions that I ask every guest um, which is a two-part question and the first part is what advice would you give your past self in regards to songwriting and what advice would you give your future self Mm. (laughs) (laughs) I know it's a lot to think about um Mm. it's very hard (laughs) What do you think that you would have needed to hear, you know, at 16 or 17 or 18? I mean, I think what I just said about, like, just keep playing your songs until you find your people. Mm-hmm. It's a big thing. It's like, um, and also what I had said when I was talking about um, my opportunity with Lauren when it's like, not waiting for someone else to accept your music before accepting it yourself and kind of taking your career in your own hands Mm -hmm. because no matter who supports you it's as an artist and a songwriter it's always you if you're not writing the songs if you're not creating the art if you're you know it's like nothing else can function without you pushing that forward so just absolutely stay towards the vision and continue to grow, you know, like try not to put any opinion above your own. Absolutely. Hard. You are your own foundation. Yeah. When it comes to your art and your music yeah. and your identity. Yeah. And in this industry, you can have a lot of voices trying to tell you what that is. So yes. I think that it's important to like keep things around that remind you of your core and, um, your why mm-hmm. and it, it reminds me of the 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 concept of like you know you can't take care of someone if you don't take care of yourself mm-hmm. first you know um you have to be your best self as an artist to be able to really um understand why you're doing what you're doing and feel good about it mm-hmm. i love that and what advice would you give to yourself in the future moving forward moving in your forward, career? Um, I read this quote the other day that said, um, don't be afraid to start over. Mm. And it stuck with me because I'm constantly like going back to my old songs and I'm like, well, where could this fit in? And then I question myself and I'm like, well, is this me now or was this me five years ago? Right. And if I just if I just said, like, let me just start a new project tomorrow, that's like the scariest thing in my mind because I'm like, well, what about these 100 songs that have just been sitting here? Right. But that's my, like, my past me and my future me get in a fight where they're like, <laughs> well, don't forget about me. And future me is like, you could just, you could just start over. You got a piano, you have a guitar, you have inspiration, just go, just do it. So yeah, I would tell myself, don't be afraid to start over. Yeah, that is a beautiful thing. It, it, I, I can absolutely relate to that. Um, and to the feeling of, you know, wanting my old songs to see the light of day because I spent so much energy and time on them and they mean so much to me, but also at the same time understanding like this is not who I am right now you know it's like those songs don't define you and like in the end you were the person who made those songs so you have every power to make equally great or greater songs in the future yeah absolutely that reflect who you are now or who you are moving forward and I think a lot of times if a song that you have written in the past is meant to be and is meant to be recorded and released it will be obvious, you know, like it will come back to you somehow and you won't need to force it and say, oh, well, 
I wrote this song and, you know, mm-hmm. I need to figure something out with it. Totally. Um, I agree. I think that's beautiful. And yeah, don't be afraid to start over in life. <laughs> yeah. Because, exactly. you know, what the heck? What is life? What are we all doing? <laughs> There's a, a new day every day. <laughs> yeah, it's beautiful. Well, um, yeah, I loved loved this conversation. Many Thank goosebumps. You. Thanks <laughs> um, for having me. No, of course. Yeah, it's your music is lovely, and everyone who's listening should listen to it. And um, <laughs> how how can people support you? What's the best way to support you? Um, just go listen to my music, share it with a friend, follow me on socials and on Spotify. I also have merch available on my website. Oh, cool. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, and you have such lovely and beautiful music videos as well. I was sort of doing a deep dive. Um, yeah, the way that you present yourself as an artist is, is admirable. So. Thank you. Yeah. So I, really <laughs> I, I love making music videos, so I'm glad you went and watched them. <laughs> oh, gosh, I love it. It's, yeah. it's like the cohesiveness of a song merging with you know visuals is just it's something that it's kind of lost on this generation i think you know when mtv was no longer (laughs) totally yeah well thank you so much thank you